You're listening to The Dworkin Report, and I'm your host, Scott Dworkin. Yesterday, we released part one of three of our interview with Tom Arnold at 1.04 p.m., revealing the inside story of how Michael Cohen, Donald Trump's personal lawyer, had flipped. Just 35 minutes later, news broke that Cohen had agreed to a plea deal. A couple of hours after that, Michael Cohen appeared in a Southern District of New York federal court to admit to election crimes implicating the president, as well as tax and loan fraud charges. But Tom Arnold had a lot more to say than only the most insane story of just how close Michael Cohen came to not flipping on Trump. In this episode, Arnold tells us the details of his relationship with Donald Trump starting in 1987 all the way to 2017, and how he met the Russian film producer he says delivered hookers to the future president's door at the Ritz-Carlton Moscow on that fateful night in November 2013 during the Miss Universe pageant. Tom's shocking story of receiving the Trump-Russia dossier before it was published, what it's like to attend a Christmas party with The Apprentice's final host and its producer, Mark Burnett, and how a fateful moment thrust him into the middle of the hunt for a tape more desired than gold, if less than gold-colored. His new Viceland series called The Hunt for the Trump Tapes with Tom Arnold will have its debut showing on a Tuesday night, September 18th, with a double episode released from the eight-part investigative series. Here's the second part of my interview with Tom Arnold. One thing it was funny because he said, you know, um, you know what you need on state, you know, you need uh, you need like a, a Dusseldorf. I have a friend that has all these uh, fancy cars, and he will give us Lotus for free, a Dusseldorf, which is a crazy expensive car, for the show. And we'll, and you know, I'll drive it on stage. I'll drive it on stage, and I'll take Rosie out on stage in this Dusseldorf. It'll be free, and it'll be fantastic. It'll look great. And I thought, well, that's a great idea. And then what I did realize is, oh, now he's in the show, which is fat, which is great. He's in the show. He drives her out on stage, and then later. You know, when we're paying the bills with uh, HBO, the, the, there comes the bill for $45,000 for this Dusseldorf, which this guy had to drive up and pack up from New Jersey and drive uh, to, to his casino and unpack. And he, he he said it was paid for. He didn't pay for it. His buddy didn't pay. His buddy's like, oh, yeah, the, the Trump said you'd pay for it. So there was all these little things in, in, in dealing with him that were that would be considered shady, but they were kind of funny because it was Donald Trump, and we paid it. No big deal. And then – you know, I, I, he, he used to come on the Best Damn Sports Show, which is why I had a sports show in, in 2001 to 2006 or whatever well, I remember and, I was on a Fox big Sports. Big fan, big fan. And, you know, uh, you know, he was a guy, and, you know, guys that come on sports shows or, you know, they're, they're <clears throat> you know, sexist and, or whatever and talk about women, little racist. You know, guys that are sports guys, and make, they make comments, they do whatever. And, you know, I it it and so, but you know, I I knew him that way. I've been to the Playboy Mansion with him. You know, because he, he came on the show, he said he's going over to the Playboy Mansion. So I thought I should, you know, he was nice enough to come on the show, and I should ride over there with him. He was going over to see Kara McDougal, his girlfriend, and I'll go I'll go over there with him. But then I did, you know, I'll, I'll, once he got over there, I just headed home. But I, you know, I was, for my show now, I, I was looking at the clips of when he came on. 
And and as soon as he sat down, he goes, "Oh, what's that?" Like on the camera, it pointed. We had we had high school people in the in the audience, and there's four girls from high school with the with their uniforms on, you know, the the skirts. Four 15 year olds in the front row, and he points them out on camera. It's the weirdest thing. The first time he sat down on the show with me, it's me and him sitting, and he goes, "Oh, tough. look at that there!" Like the weirdest stuff. And when you look back at these moments. When you're kind of putting this all together, anyway. So, and the Carrie McDougal thing now it seems weird, and and so, and this is a time when he's married to Melania, of course, and all this stuff. And you, so here's how I do him, and then I do him because he would, he and Mark Burnett would call my house, and they wanted me to do The Apprentice, which is a show that's so bad I didn't do it. I never did The Apprentice because I was like, if I did that show, I would be in a fight with everybody, including Donald Trump. I would punch him in the face. I mean, that's just how it would go because there'd be an argument. And then it would be celebrity boxing or some – it would be – he and I would get into it, and that's what would end up happening. And so that would be bad and uh, that probably, or it would be great TV. And so I would always tell my, both of them, no, I couldn't do it. And he's very persuasive, and he is – you know, and I always had, he was always nice, very nice to me. Like, that was our relationship, you know, which is frustrating because people now, Pigville and Power, are like, well, he's always nice to me, so why, I have to support him, or he was never racist to me, or, you know, he never called me a big fat pig, so, you know, so, anyway, then in, in 2011, and you can see this from my emails, uh, Brian Hyatt from uh, Rolling Stone just did a, a big uh, thing about me. It came out last week, but we kind of, uh, you know, we're going through my emails, and you can see that 2011, he he, he came on TV and he said, I saw I turned on TV and he said that Barack Obama was aboard here. The first time I saw him do the the birth of the thing, and that just really struck me in a weird way because I. Um, you know, it, it, you know, I always am crazy. So Barack Obama's childhood seemed like my childhood. But, you know, I, I'm from a small town in Iowa. His grandparents are from Kansas, of this, uh, you know, Wichita's area, you know, which is sort of like a tub Iowa to me. He had a, a weird, you know, his mother, single mother. I didn't have a mother, so I was related. His grandfather was a lot like my grandfather. In their military stuff, they looked a lot. They looked almost identical. So I assumed his grandfather had to defend him when he was a kid. Because if you have a weird family in a farming community like that, you know people pick on you. And he was a black kid, and I didn't have a mother, so I was like that grandfather probably had to defend him. And then all of a sudden, Donald Trump's on TV saying. He wasn't born here, which is, you know, Donald Trump is a bragger and is, and he's that rich guy that, like, I mean, Barack Obama, whatever your politics are, he is this incredible success story, American exceptionalism. People say he doesn't believe in American exceptionalism. He is fucking American exceptionalism. Him and, I mean, look at where he came from, and he, just going to Harvard is crazy good, and he's the first black president, right? first African-American president, and then this asshole Donald Trump is going to say, oh, that, oh, I'm taking that all back. He wasn't born here, even though he's fucking lying, like he lies about everything. I'm gonna, and then, so I called Mark Burnett that day. I go, oh, my God, because he was on The Apprentice. I go, what are you guys doing about that? That's, that's, you, he can't say that. Nothing. Nobody at NBC. I called NBC. My friend's there. I go, oh, this is outrageous that, that he went on TV and said that. Literally, nobody said anything about their star their show going on TV and saying that the president wasn't born here, which is so bad. And I'm not a guy that, you know, 
Like, the fact that, that Donald Trump liked me was good enough for me. Like, George, the first President Bush, George Herbert Walker Bush, one time uh, invited me to dinner with him and Barbara after I was kind of crap. I was crappy to him, and I wrote him this little apology, and he wrote me this. It's a long story, but he said, would you come to dinner with Barbara? And I was like, oh, my God. And so... I love him, and I, I, when you're nice to me, I didn't, I've never made fun of George W. Bush when he was president. In fact, you know, Cheney and Rumsfeld, I would say, they're war criminals, but the Bush is solid gold. Once you're nice to me, I had this, this rule. But Trump, there was something about the, the Bertha thing, and just something so weird about that. And then, you know, he starts to act like he's running for president, and then the Russia thing in 2013, I know everybody that's with him in Moscow in 2013 and uh, because they're the they're the apprentice guys, my buddies. And so they come back and they're like, you won't believe what fucking happened at the Miss Universe thing with Putin and all this stuff. And they wanted to run for president. I go, well, that's stupid. He'll never. And with the hookers. And anyway, then I go to then I live in Moscow at the Moscow Ritz-Carlton in 2015 for the summer. And the guy that finances my movie is the guy through the party for Trump uh, with the hookers in the Moscow uh, Ritz-Carlton for, you know, so there's so much overlapping, so he's like, hey, do you want a party like that? I'm like, no, but I need to know everything about that party like that. So, and still, that's 2015, the summer, Trump's not going to be president, but he is talking about it, so it's ridiculous. So, all this stuff is going on and going on, and then in 2016, you know, they the uh, Access Hollywood tape happens, and nothing happens with it, and then it's Bill Pruitt, this executive producer of The Apprentice, says, comes out forward and says, actually, uh, when nothing happens with that, he says, I'm the executive producer of The Apprentice. Here's what he did say on the show. And then people, he immediately quiets down because he gets death threats. That's the real truth of Bill Pruitt. This episode of The Dworkin Report is brought to you by Resistors Like You. We aim to keep this show independent for as long as we can. Visit DworkinReport.com to see how you can help out. One of the best ways is by hitting that contribute button in the top right and giving what you can. Thanks again for your support. Let's get back to the show. In 2015, Tom Arnold was in Moscow filming a movie called Maximum Impact that's set for release on Amazon in about six weeks. The film has a plot featuring the CIA and FSB teaming up to save the world. But Arnold says that Tsar Productions and producer Alexander Izatov is the guy who supplied Trump's golden showers, but whom he turned down. Obviously, Tom Arnold had a better idea of what might happen in Moscow's Ritz-Carlton with secret cameras than Donald Trump had. In this segment, Arnold explains how his Viceland TV series came into existence and recounts the story he told Rolling Stone about what had to be one of the most awkward office Christmas parties in all of Hollywood that year. And then, so, I'm watching this. I'm so frustrated. I'm doing an interview about stand-up comedy in Seattle, and I'm like, well, wait a minute. <laughs> I remember, oh, my God. I've seen a compilation tape of this asshole, you know, saying all these different things. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I have seen this. And so, you know, because I have friends on The Apprentice and, and also have friends in the sports world, that are connected to them, and on every show, there's whoever the star is, including myself. The people that work on the show make a tape of your outtakes, 
of the worst of you, and they share with each other. That's what these guys do. And I was like, oh my God, I saw this. This was before he was going to be president. You know, they share the, the the ugly moments. There's Bill O'Reilly's ugliest moment. There's mine. There's, you know, I was like, oh yeah, I remember this. So I could talk about it. And then it becomes a big deal. And then I I reach out to to try to recover that to get it back. And the people. That the person that shared it is now freaked out because he's like, hey, Bill Pruitt had death threats. We're all afraid we're getting death threats. I'm like, oh, my God, really? From this Trump people, we'll never work again. We have a $5 million confidentiality thing with Mark Burnett. So then I go to Mark Burnett. Then, you know, then I go to Mark Burnett in person. Well, first of all, the weekend before the election, uh, this this agent uh, uh, calls me from that's that's Arnold Schwarzenegger's agent that he says I'm sitting next to Hillary Clinton on her airplane. The fate of the free world is on her shoulders. You've got to release the Edward part of that tape. And I'm like oh, Michael Kievitz, K I V E S. He's from C A. That's his name. And Kievitz is how you pronounce it. And I'm like, oh my God, the fate of the free world really is on my shoulders. So I call Judd Apatow, my buddy. I go, oh my God, should I just try to Get somebody over here and scrape that off of it because it was on one of those Vimeo. You know, I had a time. It was, I had it for a certain amount of time, but I assume if you get a get a technician, you could, you know, go, scrape it off the back of your your hard drive somehow because the time it expired. But I, I figured you get a hold of the guy that owns the company and figure it out. And I said, should I do it without the guy's permission? And he's like, no, because his family and and probably it wouldn't matter. And so the election happens. He's not going to win anyway. He does win. And so then I go to Mark Burnett personally, and I say, and our, it's the worst prison party ever in Arnold Schwarzenegger's. This is 2016, at, in December. So I go to Arnold Schwarzenegger's Christmas party, and it's all these uh, – I love Arnold Schwarzenegger, by the way. He's the best guy in the world. And it's all these conservatives, and Arnold Schwarzenegger is about to do The Apprentice, his version, which I passed on too. And Mark Burnett's there. Michael Kivas is there. Uh, all these – uh, conservative Republicans are there that supported Trump, you know, in spite of his, you know, bullshit. And they're like, oh, he's going to become presidential. Uh, don't worry. And Arnold's like, oh, yeah, I go, hey, he's going to fuck you over on The Apprentice. He's like, oh, no, he's not, Tom. He's going to support me. You know, he has a executive producer credit. I go, no, he's a fucking monster. He's an asshole. You know, uh, he, he's a liar. Anyway, so I go up to Burnett. I go, you got to give me, give me those tapes. Let me have access because you know, first of all, I know Burnett knows who I know. He knows the whole – he knows everything I'm talking about. But he also could give me what I want. My idea was I will go rebuild the tape that I saw. I know the episodes that are the moments. I know exactly how to do it. And nobody will be in trouble for doing it. Uh, nobody that is, that is friends of mine will be trouble in trouble. And by now, MGM Television, which owns the – the, uh, the the show and NBC are already investigating my friends. Anybody that knows me, and it turns out the executive producer of The Apprentice, uh, his brother worked for me at the Best Dance Sports Show. Period, and was my clip producer. Ironically, so he those two guys are being investigated at, at this time. I mean, they aren't going, hey, let's find the tape of Trump being a racist asshole. They're like, oh, let's investigate the people that are friends with Tom Arnold has scared the shit out of them. So they never released the fucking Trump. Edward tape. So they investigate my friends. They threaten them. Uh, 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 they, they, those guys are now the executive producers of Survivor. Uh, they have big, huge, huge deals, by the way. So they're fine. Um, 
It's, so I go up to Mark Manning. I go, you got to fucking this is this guy's horrible. He's gonna be horrible for the country, horrible for women, horrible for black people. And he's like, I can't. Nothing could be worse than the the grab by the pussy tape, Tom. Nothing on by anything we have. And and he goes, and then he pulls out his phone. And he goes, uh, he shows me his son as as Trump's ring bearer. He goes, I can't do it, mate. He goes, Michael Cohen is calling me for Trump every day to get the tapes. You want them, and I promise you I'm not giving them to either of you. Like that was a kind of the deal. And, you know, I kind of thought that was okay for, you know, d- December 17th or what it was, uh, 2016. I thought, you know, he wasn't even in office yet. I thought maybe he will be presidential. And so then I get into a huge argument with a bunch of other people at this. This is a Christmas party, right? right. Arnold Schwarzenegger. I get a huge argument, and one of the guys says, you know, uh, Tom, it's somebody that I love and works for for 20 years, says, you know, uh, we're, you know we're from Austria, and, uh, you know, Hillary Clinton's worse than, than Donald Trump. You know, we're from Austria, and she's worse. She's actually more like Hitler. She's in their inner sanctums of, of the institutions of America, like whatever. And I'm just about to, like, it's, I'm about to fucking punch him in the face. Like, I'm going to fight 10 of these. Like, it is full-on rage. Like, I'm, not, I'm serious. At a Christmas fucking party, and this guy... My friend, who is executive producer of The Apprentice, steps forward and goes, wait, stop. I know Donald Trump better than anybody in this room. I've worked with him uh, uh, closer than anybody in this room for the last 12 years. I'm the the person to talk to him before every take of that show. And Tom's right about everything he says. And Donald Trump is the worst human being I've ever met in my life. And everybody froze. And then I was like, I got to get the fuck out of here. This is my exit. That was a good, that was a nice thing for him to do. And so I run out to, to, to the valet stand at Arnold's house and somebody had an accident down on the street. So the cars are backed up. So I'm like, holy shit, I got to stand here. And, uh, I, I, I said somebody's behind me is, is Clint Eastwood, who I love by the way. And it's always nice to me, but I'm like, oh my God, he is so conservative. What's he going to say? And he's like, Oh, Tom, you know, uh, <laughs> Trump is a boathead. You know, the worst part about running for mayor, if you get elected, then you got to be mayor. Right. So anyway, I got out of there, uh, you know, and I, I. It's clear that Tom Arnold's intrepid hunt for the Trump tapes and his tweets cause a stir. The stir caused tips, which, by the way, listeners, we do accept on our website. And that this is the story of how those tips ultimately turned what must have felt like a quixotic quest at first, even to the impossible to copy Tom Arnold, into a television venture that nobody in this country should ignore if they care about searching for the truth. You know, kept working different things. And as soon as I talked about having this outtakes take, other people started calling me and saying, hey, uh, and respected journalists started calling me. Jade Mayer's on the show with me, David Cord, Michael Iskoff, you know, Ronan Farrell's a buddy of mine that we worked on stuff. There's all these respected journalists working on this show with me. And so once you talk about one tape, people said, have you heard about the elevator tape? Have you heard about the TV tape? And so I had the the Christmas Steel dossier before Trump had it, I had it in the right about you know before Arnold's Christmas party. I had it, you know. In fact, uh, my, uh, you know uh, uh, my uh, my friend at Vanity Fair, I had it before they had it, and so you know because uh, I it, once you're a guy with a t- that tape allegedly, everybody else calls you up and they start sharing. So I started these files of all this stuff with these legitimate journalists because they would come out here 
and they would they would come over and say, "What do you, what do you have on this?" And I'd, I'd share everything I had, and everything other journalists had had. And usually, when they hit a roadblock, or what happens with Trump stuff, you're going along, you're you've all you made it all the way into the National Enquirer newsroom. You got sources. You're headed for the elevator tape. You're seeing if they made a deal for it, and then there's a Me Too story. The whole newsroom has been uh, sexually harassed by Dylan Howard, and then he have to stop. And the Associated Press has to write that story. So then the elevator tape goes to the side. Well, I keep all their notes from that. And the next journalist that comes along, I start piling that on. Then they call me. I go, well, here's what the other guys have done. Here's the information. And so when I got – when it came time, uh, uh, Viceland, for, uh, uh, you know, they approached me because of my Twitter stuff. And they said uh, um, in March or, or maybe uh, February this year, they said, listen, we were watching you on Twitter and – we want to do a show. We want to take your 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 tweets because your 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 tweeting stuff ahead of real journalists like Karen McDougal, uh, Keith Davidson. Uh, you've you've tweeted names and, and things that have come true uh, about Roger Stone, about Lee had tweeted Al Franken, and 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 we want to and and some of this Trump stuff, and we want to do a show about it and uh, you know hunting these Trump tapes and and I was very grateful because it, it's good to have legitimate people on board because, you know, it just helps. And so I have a team of people. I mean, I think they regret it some days, but, you know, we've, uh, you know, it's fantastic. I mean, I have a person that is, went to uh, Belarus to interview uh, Russian hookers that that literally were involved with PP tapes. And so all these Trump things, by the way, they're all real. And, and they seem insane when you hear about a PP tape and then you start work backwards, and, and then you work with David Kordiskov, and then you work with people like Jade Mayer, but then you work with facts, and then you start going backwards and building it. That's all we have for this episode of the Dworkin Report. I'd like to thank Tom Arnold for taking the time out of his insanely busy schedule to tell our listeners the inside story of the hunt for the Trump tapes and remind you that part three of this interview will be out a little later in the week. And Tom will tell us about his meeting with Donald Trump's most notorious Russian mafia connection, Felix Sater, at his home in Port Washington, New York, on Long Island. Thank you again to Grant Stern, my producer. You can visit our website at dworkinreport.com. Check it out when you get a chance. It's uh, developing nicely, like a fine wine. Thanks again for listening. Onward! <laughs>